0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: It's time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. This is a call out to people who know the Lord in theory, and I would say even in experience, but yet their hearts have now become hardened, and they're no longer sowing righteousness themselves, but they're, like we said in the beginning, they're now sowing to the flesh.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Hosea chapters 8 through 14. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: God's given His Word to the church. And as long as we hold fast to the Word, as long as we do that personally, as long as we do that collectively, as long as the church universally does that, there's the promise of blessing. There's the promise of of spiritual prosperity. But the moment we set that aside and start to think that we don't, we don't really need God's word or we can't really trust that this is God's word. That, that's the beginning of the end for the church. And this is happening and it's been happening for a long time, but it's happening across, across the board today. Many people today rejecting the word of God. I am so passionate about seeing a revival of love for the word of God. Amen. You know, we were, we were talking about that today. Um, we were talking about just the, the idea, thinking about the past. You know, my history here goes back a long time. And so I remember the time when everybody had their Bible. Everybody was lined up to get into church. Everybody wanted to, to hear the word of God taught. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time. And as, as wonderful as that was, that is clearly not happening today. And it's not just here that it's not happening. It's not happening in many, many places where it was happening at one time. And my prayer, our prayer, is that it would happen again. But we recognize, too, that it will not look exactly the same as it looked in the past. It will be different but it will be the same it will be love for god's word and a hunger for it and a desire to gather together and to learn it and to share it and you know that's what happens when what we call a revival comes in in a revival there's always i mean there there's different things that happen there's repentance from sin there's deeper commitment of people's lives to following and serving Christ. But there's always a return to the scriptures. There's a return to a dependency on scripture. There's a return to the love of God's word. And man, that's what we are praying for. That's what we long to see. And I personally believe that in God's grace, we're gonna see it. He's gonna do it for us. So he then goes on and he says, uh, but i want you to see this connection so they set aside the word of god and then it says it says they will return to egypt israel has forgotten their maker they will return to egypt what did, what did egypt symbolize egypt symbolized bondage that's what they were in in egypt they were they were bound in slavery And this is where they were going to go back to. You know, it's amazing to think when you go back and you read Exodus and you read the whole story of uh, the deliverance from Egypt, the wandering in the wilderness, you read Joshua and the entrance into the land. And then to, to think like that Israel would actually go back to Egypt. But that's what they did. They went back to Egypt. The place that God delivered them from, the place that God said, Never go back there again. That's exactly where they ended up. And they ended up there because Israel forgot their maker. You can't go anywhere except back into bondage if you walk away from the Lord. Uh, there's, There's nothing good that can ever come from that. You know, understand that. I mean, I know we all know that theoretically, but man, we really have got to get that into our hearts and minds. I cannot believe the number of people today that are walking away from the Lord and they're even saying like, oh gosh, I feel so free now. I'm freed up from all that, that bondage that I was in. You know, the church, they were putting all these trips on me and oh, you know, the Bible was limiting my freedom and my understanding of who I am. And, and now that I've set the Bible aside, man, I just feel so free. Wow, talk about deception. That's major deception. And for the moment, it might be true, though. They might feel really free, but it won't be long before it's obvious to everyone that they are all bound up in chains of sin, because that's the only place you can go. You go away from God and his word. You go back to Egypt. That's That's the only place that road leads. So the ninth chapter is, again, just a repetition regarding the the punishment that will come upon Israel. And the ninth chapter flows right into the 10th chapter. And so we're just going to jump here to verse 12 of chapter 10. And here is the Lord still pleading with the people. You know, it's amazing how God continues to to plead with people, how he continues to patiently wait for us, how he continues to send us messages, basically, come home, come back. And, and so here in the midst of these, and we've seen this all through these prophets, in the midst of these judgments, these pronouncements of judgment, then all of a sudden there's like, but you know what? If you would come back home, everything would be okay. And that's exactly what we have here in verse 12. He's speaking about the judgment that's coming, but then he says, sow righteousness for yourselves and reap mercy or reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Wow, what a great invitation. Sow righteousness. Break up that that unplowed ground. And of course, this is all metaphorical. He's he's speaking about the hardness of the heart. Break that up. And it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. This is a call out to people who know the Lord in theory and I would say even in experience, but yet their hearts have now become hardened. And they're no longer sowing righteousness for themselves, but they're, like we said in the beginning, they're now sowing to the flesh. So I was talking to a friend the other day who was here on Sunday morning, and he was telling me he's, he's working at a, a local a company. He's, he's working at Amazon, actually. And... But he was 25 years in ministry. He was here on staff for a long, long time. And, you know, circumstances changed in his life and so forth. He's, he's doing fine spiritually. He's doing great. But, but he's working now in Amazon. And he's telling me, he's like, man, I cannot, like, I feel like I'm living on another planet when I go to work. So, you know, 25 years, and he was saying 25 years of sort of being in this, in this bubble, in this cubicle, he said, man, I cannot believe how crazy it is out there. And so he's giving me a few examples here and there. But then he said this, he said, but you know, here's the craziest part of it. He says, everyone around me, I'm thinking, man, I got to share the Lord with this person. These people need Jesus. They are so screwed up. And I start to tell them about the Lord and they say, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to Calvary, or I go to Saddleback, or I go to the Baptist church, or I go. And, you know, he's like, wow, <laughs> this is a bigger problem than I even thought. Because all the people around him that are doing all the things that you would never imagine that a Christian would be doing are saying, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but obviously they're not sowing righteousness. But here's God's invitation. His invitation is, sow righteousness for yourselves and reap mercy. And God is a God of mercy. And he's always, and he's just waiting to, uh, for all of those people that are working there in Amazon With my friend, he's just waiting for them to turn and come and receive the blessing because that's who the Lord is. But I love this. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. You know, this is a great word for what we long for. And we sometimes call it revival. Whatever you want to call it, a fresh visitation from the Lord, this is a great word of encouragement toward that. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes. You know, are we doing that today? Are we, I wonder sometimes, like what is it gonna take for us to get desperate? What is it gonna take for us to really just get like serious? Like we have maybe not been ever before, or maybe not in a long, long time. Like what it's saying right here, breaking up that unplowed ground. Man, it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. That it's not uh, just a temporary moment of passion or excitement, but it's something we're gonna press into this until we see God work. I was, again, talking to some friends on Sunday morning. They just spent 15 years in China. And they've just returned, and they actually had to return because it was no longer safe for them to be there. And so they left the country. They they planted some churches while they were there. They left some disciples. It was the hardest decision of their lives to leave, but essentially it was like either get out now or maybe end up in prison because that's just what's happening in, in China. And so as we were talking, I said to them, I just asked the question, I said, do you think, what do you think is going to happen in China? Do you see that things are going to sort of calm down in regard to this persecution that's rising? Or do you think it's going to intensify? And without even thinking about it for a second, they said it's going to intensify. And they said, we are praying. We're praying desperately for our brothers and sisters that are there. And I just thought, man, that's the kind of the, the Chinese Christians are living in under that kind of desperation because they have the the foot of the government on their necks and the persecution is rising. But you know, that particular moment I just thought, man, I wanna I wanna start praying for the church in China. We have a little prayer meeting on Wednesday mornings and I just shared with our group like, hey, we gotta start praying regularly for China. And they're not the only nation or people group that are experiencing those things. But, but this is the kind of thing that the Lord's calling us to here. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time. And I wonder when American Christians are going to figure out that politics is not the answer. Getting our man in office, I mean, quite honestly, it doesn't do anything. You know, all of those things that we so often are putting our trust in, our confidence in, and, and then it just, you know, I mean, things just go from bad to worse <laughs> because the, the problem is ultimately a spiritual problem. There's no way that an, that an entire world can be like bewitched apart from the principalities and powers. So going back to my point, How do you deal with the principalities and powers? You can't deal with them through natural means. You have to deal with them through spiritual means. How do you deal with them? It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to call upon the Lord. It's time to get serious about our prayer lives and about the things that are going on around us and ask God to work, to intervene, to convict, to move, to save. That is what we need. And that's the word here. So chapter 11, once again, so we're going through the judgments. We have the the merciful invitation. Now, once again, God is expressing his love for Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And so God is speaking about that time when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. But it's interesting that Matthew applies this verse to Jesus. Remember in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's the only one that records this. Jesus, after he's born because of the threat of Herod, uh, Joseph and Mary are called to flee to Egypt. And they are to go and they're to remain in Egypt until basically until Herod is dead. And so when Herod dies, the angel appears to Joseph in Egypt and says, take the young child and go back into the land of Israel because those who sought his life are dead. And then Matthew adds, and this happened in order to fulfill what was written, I have called my son out of Egypt. Wow. It's it's fascinating how the Holy Spirit, through Matthew, is taking this passage that in its original context, it's obvious that it's referring to Israel in the past and their deliverance from Egypt. But Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shows that there was like a double meaning to the passage. Now, the Lord goes on here and he's speaking of his love for them. So let me just read these verses here. He says, picking up in verse four, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. I love that picture because just yesterday I picked up Remy, my little 15 month old grandson and just lifting him to the cheek. That's the first place that the lips go, right to his little cheeks. That's the picture that God is reminding Israel of here. And so will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Verse seven, my people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. And listen to this in verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? This is a lament on the part of God. I mean, this is like, you know, this is like a, a father or a mother whose child has it chosen a destructive path and they see where that, that path is going to end and they're crying out in anguish. How can I give you up? This is God's heart for Israel. How can I give you up? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again for I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. And so he will not ultimately destroy them. That's his promise here. Now, down in verse 12, verse 2 says, the Lord has a charge to bring against Judah. He will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. And then he speaks of The nation, but he goes back to the man, Jacob, actually. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. This is all in Genesis, in case you're wondering about that. This is the story of Jacob, how he was the younger of the twins, and he grasped the heel of Esau as they were being born. And so he was called, his name was Jacob, which means heel catcher. And so God is reminding them of their history. And then how as an adult, he struggled with God and uh, he wrestled with that angel. And there the Lord broke him and ended up blessing him And so the angel of the Lord overcame him. He wept and he begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. But you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. So again, reminding them of their history and calling them back into that relationship. Now, Chapter 13 is once again a chapter that's emphasizing the judgment that's going to come. Verse 6, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. You know, the the Bible says, I think it's in, in Proverbs, give me neither poverty nor riches. For if I'm poor, I might steal and bring reproach to your name, but if I become rich, I might forget you. You know, that's a very real danger that a lot of times we don't think about. I can't tell you how many people have told me that they wanted to get rich so they could better serve the Lord, who ended up prospering And did not serve the Lord, but actually succumbed to the world once again. This happens over and over. This was was the problem in Israel. This was the problem with their kings. This was the problem with the kings of Judah. I mean, this is the story that such and such a king, he did marvelously until, until he succeeded. And then that was the beginning of the downfall. He trusted the Lord. He depended on the Lord. But then he had success. And then he trusted in his success. And then everything went south. And that's repeated over and over again. So that's what God is saying here about the nation. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Gosh, it's so easy to become prideful. It's so easy to somehow think that we are responsible for our success or we are responsible for whatever positions we might attain or something like that. Remember on Sunday, we were talking about knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I was just thinking about that reality. I've done, you know, times in my own life where I find myself because I know something and I'm, talking authoritatively about what I know and then at the same time I'm feeling like man I'm pretty smart here. You know, this is this is really good that I know this stuff. And all of a sudden I realized man I'm just I'm prideful <laughs> right right this moment. And that's what happens. And so we cannot underestimate this.
0: the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story by Rebecca McLaughlin. Although the holiday season can be filled with fond memories from childhood or the prospect of more to come, the holiday season can also be one of the most difficult times of the year. The longing for those we miss can intensify, or the loneliness felt throughout the year can be amplified. Whether the holiday season brings you excitement or dread, Rebecca McLaughlin will introduce you to the man born 2,000 years ago and explain the significance of his birth for you today. She will deal with the incredible claims of Christianity and will help you see that it is perhaps more important than you think. The book is Christmas Unbelievable, Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics so we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you